Go Birds Radio, presented by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. Official sportsbook of the real Philly fan. What's going on? It's Elliot Shore Parks for my friends at Window Nation. And if you've had enough of your windows keeping the house chilly, then fight the February cold with Window Nation. Right now, replace your windows and save big with 50% off all window styles, plus zero down, zero interest, and no payments for 24 months. With proven quality and service, it's no wonder thousands have trusted Window Nation. Don't miss out. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com to schedule your free in-home estimate. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. You're listening to the Go Birds Pod, a radio.com podcast about your beloved birds. Well, it's been a while since we've gone around the locker room, but uh, not a... Probably not a better week to do that in which the we're still kind of looking for answers as we were the postgame show. Maybe we have a couple of more. It is uh, around the locker room at Elliott Shore Park. So I'm John Barchard hanging out with you. And of course, you know, Elliot, I don't know. Doug said some things today. And uh, the main talking points even leading up to the press conference was kind of the awkward way that he left it with, you know, his message to the team and saying, well, you know, the pressure's off now and kind of further explained that that was more or less felt like guys were pressing. I even thought that, you know, Carson Wentz looks like he's pressing and there's some other guys that were happening on the offense that kind of looked at everybody looks like they had to make a play. But what was your general overall feel with how the press conference went? Because we got a little bit of snippy dug at the end, too. Yeah, well, the first thing is you mentioned it's been a while since we've done around the locker room. The locker room is not a fun place to be right now. So probably good. uh, You know, we're not taking weekly trips into there at this point. But look, I mean, here's the thing about Doug today. I think you saw Doug navigating a tough spot, right? Like he doesn't want to criticize his players. I mean, he, he, he can a little bit, you know, saying with execution and that type of thing. Definitely never wants to criticize Jim Schwartz. It seems like he goes above and beyond to kind of make sure he doesn't say anything close to being interpreted, interpreted as a shot at Jim Schwartz. But he also has to show faith in his team. I mean, look, at three and four, and we can talk about how much it's over. I, I, I'm actually interested in your take on that because I know on Gobert's radio, you said no matter what happened this game, it wouldn't really impact your decision yeah. on how you felt. So uh, I'm interested to see what you have to say about that. But just in terms of Doug, I mean, I think he tried to seem confident up there. Uh, I think his comment about how there's no pressure on pressure on them anymore is probably one he wishes he had back, and he tried to walk that back a little bit. But Look, this team has a lot of issues. The way Doug handles himself at the podium is, is not one of them. No, and uh, it's like I I understand and I respect Tim McManus so much. Um, yeah. And, and everybody down there because they all have – I think it's always fair to question 
You know, Absolutely. What, that, always, always, always. Yeah, yeah. Like that is that should be never taken off the board. But I do agree. And that's not really what what Tim asked. It's just been the general overall feel, especially from today. I just got done filling in for the midday show. And it was I can't tell you how many times I heard run the football, run yep. the football. And I bet you if we go backtrack every single podcast or every single article or every time, every tweet where the Eagles lose. That is always the first thing out of somebody's mouth. Well, you didn't win because you didn't run the ball properly. Ray Dinger, I respect the hell out of saying on the postgame show on, you know, NBC Sports Philly the same way. What Doug really can't say, this is my impression, Elliot. What Doug can't say mm-hmm. is Wendell Smallwood and Corey Clement sucked. And I like the the ball in the best player on the field in the offense, which is Carson Wentz. Now, he also said that he checked out of runs or there were runs called that Carson saw something different there too. And this is, this is my question. This was me and Joe's question today. Does Carson Wentz have a confidence problem in his backfield? Cause if if I'm him, I'm going, listen, I could hand this ball off, but we need to score here uh, or we need to keep momentum going. I think I can keep momentum going. I like what I, the defense is showing me here. And therefore I, I would rather take this chance versus handing it off for two yards or whatever. Well, the interesting thing in rewatching the game this morning, I mean, watching it live, it, I noticed it, but rewatching it, it really stuck out to me. It's just how much he really seemed to try to force the ball to Alshon in big spots, right? I mean, the third and two play, he double forces it into, yeah. he forces it into, into double coverage, where, to what, which is, you know, what you just said, like, does he have confidence in Wendell Smallwood? He looks right at Smallwood. Now, you know, it, we'll never see the game completely from Wentz's eyes. So who knows what maybe he saw from the pocket that we're not seeing on the tape. But when you look at that third and two play late, he looks right at Wendell Smallwood in the flat to the left and decides to then divert, move his eyes to the center of the field towards towards Alshon, which is where, you know, he forces it into double coverage in the end zone. And then, you know, obviously on fourth down, it doesn't work out either. But, yeah, I don't know if it's a confidence thing, but it does seem like he really, really prefers to throw the ball to Alshon and Ertz. And you can say, well, obviously, they're probably the, you know, the two best yeah, players yeah. on the offense at the skill position. But – you have to spread the ball around and you have to not be predictable on offense. And that's why they need a running back. Like I think they had 59 total yards on 21 touches between the two of them, something like that between Clement and Smallwood and Smallwood actually, I don't think is playing bad, but he's a guy that was like your fifth running back when, uh, when training camp started. So you can only expect so much of him. Corey Clement, I'm, I don't know if he's still done with a quad injury or not, but he just doesn't look like the same player he was last year. And I think part of it is because he's playing an increased role. Corey Clement was a part-time player last year. But, um, yeah, I think that, the look, the running backs need to improve. And whether Wentz has, doesn't have confidence in him or not, he would never say that, but he does play sometimes as if he would prefer not to throw the ball their way. Yeah, and I uh, listen. This is just happening right now, Elliot. This is, gets really interesting as we've been we've been thoroughly on the offense needs a playmaker for a couple of weeks now. And this was funny because I think it was brought up on Gobert's radio a little bit too, where yep. the Cardinals All Pros come from Adam Schefter. Cardinals All Pro cornerback Patrick Peterson has asked Arizona to deal him by the October 30th trade deadline per league sources. Peterson feels as if the situation is deteriorating. Well, duh. And continues right. to reaffirm to others that he desperately wants out per source. Now, that's all coming from the agent there because they want this thing out, too. They want Obviously, phone calls right. to come, uh, kind of come in here with. And, and again, uh, yesterday, it might have sounded like me and James were kind of absolving the defense here, but well, you I'm, guys wanted uh, Jim Schwartz fired, right? No, no, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, but there was there was a lot of people who were just like, "Hey, you know, 
Uh, fix the corners. Fix the corners. The corners aren't good enough. Should the Eagles be in on on Patrick Peterson here? No. I mean, look, is Patrick Peterson at upgrade over Jalen Mills or Ronald Darby? Yes. So in that way, look, you always want to upgrade at a position. Sure. But here's the thing. The Eagles defense is not the problem. And Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby are part of that problem. Unless you only think the way – unless you think the only way you're going to compete this year is by giving up like 13 points a game, then – you know, it does. It does. Almost doesn't matter at this point. The defense can continue to play the way they've played. Everyone gets on Jalen Mills while biting on the double move. Ronald Darby did it yesterday. It's a reality of life in the NFL. Cornerbacks are going to get beat. The Eagles still only gave up 21 points yesterday. Now, the way they gave it up obviously was was frustrating for fans, but they're still, I think, six in the league in points allowed. So the defense is not the issue. And then with Patrick Peterson. Cap hit of around five and a half million this year for the for the remainder of the year. His cap hit in 2019 is 11 million. His cap hit in 2020 is 12 million. Now the 2020 hit isn't as big of a deal, but in 2019, I mean, 11 million dollars is a large portion of money. You're talking about like you you bring Peterson in and you don't redo his deal and you have him at 11 million in 2019, then you're probably letting Darby walk. You're probably letting Graham walk and maybe Hicks. Like it's a large portion of your cap space because we're because we're assuming a Carson Wentz you know mega deal is probably going to happen. So would you give up a first round pick for an upgraded corner, but not really like a complete and utter game changer on defense, and take that cap hit on? I wouldn't do it. Yeah, neither would I. And I know that people are going to go like, "What are you talking about? What are you talking about?" Listen, um, the explosive plays have have left the building. You know, and even yeah. trying to get Nelson Aguilar into this thing is he's not had a good year. Um, there's un- unfortunate injuries that have happened along the way, too, with Mike Wallace. And again, we don't know how much of an impact he would have. Uh, mm-hmm. Matt Collins, you're but still I, I waiting to see. I don't think much see. of an impact, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, not, not a major one. And, you know, our good friend Bill Matz is asking this here. He's like, where is where have all the big plays gone? Aguilar is... Is is putting up pass catching fullback stats? What what do they need to do to be explosive and not have to count on fifteen play drives? Which again is what that's the kind of mystique, at least for me here, Elliot. Is like uh, it's ball control. It's everything that we said that the Dallas Cowboys were for a, a very long amount of time, where they just didn't have a ton of explosive plays that relied on running you down when they had a really poor defense. And certainly, I don't think the Eagles is as poor, but. It's ball control, and it's trying to – it's almost 2016-ish, you know? And Doug was well, still really good at producing that, but you, you can't uh, – it's, it's not like there's – no, there's no feeling that I have that they can just automatically go down and score anymore. So I disagree with you on this in, in okay. this way. The, the explosive plays, like, you know, you can expl- define explosive plays a number of ways, but going into yesterday's game, I haven't updated since, but going into yesterday's game, they were actually on pace – for more completions over 40 yards and more completions over 20 yards this season. So in terms of explosive plays, I mean, they have been moving the ball, and literally it's what you always say. Like, yards don't matter. This team is moving the ball. So if you want to say they need more explosive plays that result in touchdowns, then that's that's one thing, right? Yeah, yeah. But but in terms of just, like, you know, making a 40-yard play down the field to get them in scoring position and not having to do these 13, 14-play drives, like, they are, or at least were as of yesterday, and I can't imagine it's a big difference now, but they were on pace for more of them. At the very least, they're probably around for the same as last year. But the issue is it's it's the red zone. 
it's not it's not the ability to be explosive. It's the ability to just Finish. convert when they're in the red zone. Yeah. Last year, I think they were third or fourth in the NFL in, in red zone percentage. This year, they're twenty second. They're only converting around half of their red zone trips into touchdowns, and that's what happened against the Panthers. The Panthers were three for three in the red zone. Each time they got in there, they scored a touchdown. The Eagles were two for four. That's twenty one to fourteen right there. That's your ball game. If the Eagles score one more touchdown, they win that game. And, you know, the confusing thing about the red zone is when you look at their personnel, they should be good in the red zone. Like Zach Ertz, great receiving tight end. Dallas Goddard, you know, I know it's early in his career, but I think you can already say he's at very, at worst, a very good receiving tight end. He clearly is a good player in the red zone. Another touchdown yesterday. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey playing some of the best football of his career, very good in the red zone. Nelson Aguilar was a pretty good red zone player last year, even though he's kind of undersized. So they have the personnel to be good in the red zone. They're just not getting it done. And when we list all the issues with this team, like Patrick Peterson isn't helping that red zone offense. Like they have to start converting in the red zone. That is the number one thing that will turn the season around. It's not the defense. It's not. It's red zone offense. Yeah, and that's what I you know, I argued with that again today too. I don't know. Some I'm agreeing and a lot disagreeing, but I, I'm with you. I mean, they are not only that; they're 23rd in first point, the first half points. That's something I yep. didn't look at too. They're averaging nine points in the first half. Uh, they're they're a better scoring team in the second half, but again, in the fourth quarter by by two points by two I think, points. Right? Yeah, averaging- <laughs> exactly. And then they're they're scoring six points in the fourth quarter on average, which is not. It just doesn't. It doesn't win you football games. And you are right. And this is. This keeps coming back to it, too. And I actually heard our own Dave Uram kind of just pointed out there and Doug just shoved it right to the side. And I I wonder, this is the other question that I think I have. Is Doug Peterson happy with Grow and with Press Taylor? Because we, we will never really know. But he was asked about, you know, DiFilippo and, and Frank Reich. And I, I do think it has an impact in some regards. And it's guys that you've trusted for a very long time and had a good rapport with. But... I don't think it's just as simple as that either, because you even pointed out, and I and I didn't see this in in uh, uh, one of your screenshots on that final the final play, the fourth and two, where Alshon Jeffries, yeah. I mean, he's sitting there wide open. The timing of Carson Wynch, the ball should have been out, and it and it wasn't. There was there was a guy that was wide open. Keekley bit on the uh, on the slant to Aguilar right away, and that's what it comes down to. It's so weird. And I even mentioned explosive plays. They did have explosive plays. I mean, the DPI doesn't go on the stat sheet as that, but. That's how right. you got in that position, and you're ready to score, and they failed there too. They had the – I mean, I don't know if these would count as explosive, but, like, I would certainly call those two sideline catches by Alshon and, and Ertz almost back-to-back. Absolutely. I thought those were big plays. I mean, they, they, they got the ball down the field. But let me ask you about that fourth and two play because, you know, all right, so I guess two questions for you. First, when I rewatched it, I definitely I definitely think Wentz hesitates. Do you agree with that? Yes. Like, it, and I'm not saying it's by like three seconds, but Half I definitely think yeah. you see Alshon, when Alshon's about to cut, you can see the middle of the field is open. So that's when the ball has to be out. Like by the time Alshon's wide open, yes, at that point, maybe it's, you know, he tries to do it, but the pressure comes. But the second his eyes turn to the center of the field, and again, you know, we're not seeing it through his eyes, but just from watching the video, it certainly looked like it. So I thought he double clutched there. But on a larger point, why do you think, this fan base is so hesitant to criticize Carson in any way at all. Because it's easier right now in the two games that they've lost in this way, and it, you know, that and this in Tennessee are almost a carbon copy. The yep. defense let them down first or last, excuse me. So I think that's right in everybody's mind. But in actuality, 
And this well, is, the offense let them down last. Well, yeah, game. well, yeah, I know, but they're they're, right. they're saying, well, the the seventeen points is good enough, and and then when they say uh, you shouldn't be looking at the point total, you know, it's a it's a three possession game, and I to to be honest with you, I agree. I mean, a, a three possession game shouldn't be just ripped apart in twelve minutes. That is one hundred percent true, uh, right. but it it also takes away. What they both did, like they played mirror image games. Both sides of the football did. The defense was phenomenal, phenomenal right up until that fourth quarter. <laughs> until and, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, and and the offense was good and it was driving, but it wasn't finishing. And, and even if right. you want to make the argument that the offense was working, I'll, I'll agree with you. But they both fell apart at the same time. There was no counterpunch. It was almost like everybody panicked. Jim Schwartz seemed to panic because I don't know what the hell was going on with his coverages. You know, late yep. in that game, that was so weird and and so awkward. And Darby did the same thing, and I think he panicked too. Like, there's no reason to bite on that double move. And you know, I I think there's, I, I don't know. I I think it's just goes on the last thing they saw, and they don't want to keep the uh, they want to keep the gloves on for Carson and Doug, and and maybe even way more so than than uh, with, with Carson because they look at his stat line and go, well, there you go. But then they look at Cam's, and it's worse than they won the football. Game. So what are we talking about? You know, and and you you went through this today, and it's on ninety four wip dot com in uh, slash go birds. If you just want to look at all of Elliot's work that's up there, but you know, you went through those those clutch situations, and I will even with Carson Wentz that is, and I will even say that I think we tend to overanalyze. You know, hey, he's got the ball in his hand, and how come there's no you know comeback drives or things like that? But uh, I I would say that there's it's it's something that Carson one thousand percent needs to work on if we do believe. That he is in that upper tier of of quarterbacks here, Elliot. Yeah, I mean, look, like there's you can say, okay, well, the the defense should make a play at the end of the games. Like, yeah, it's not all on Wentz. The offensive line has to block. Other players have to make a play. The reality of the situation is the NFL they keep, and I'm sure people listening don't like win loss record for quarterback. But honestly, those QB are wrong wins coming. <laughs> what QB wins with a yep, bunch of Z's right. on the back? Yeah, all right. And if honestly, like. Qu- quarterback wins, and I'm going to get shit for this, but I don't care. It's the most important stat for a quarterback. Like, I don't care. It's, it's the most important stat. Like, at the end of the day, a quarterback, if, like, you go five, six years in this league and you're not a winning quarterback, you're just not that good. I'm yeah. sorry. Elliot, like, we, were doing so, we, were, we were doing so well. We were doing right, so well, well. Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why I'm wrong. Uh, because just like everything else, like, there's too much variance in between, like, winning and losing a football game if – if everyone yeah, does in it, one a, week there is over six years, seven years there's not. Uh, okay, well then I would say then then Carson Wentz is doing great. If it's just yeah, about no, wins, I, losses, I, I'm then not talking fine. about Carson. Yeah, I'm not talking about Carson. I'm saying in general, quarterback wins and loss they they matter to me. They matter more than a, they matter more than a pitcher in baseball, but uh, yeah. I, I don't Wait. think it. I don't think it tells you everything about that player. Not everything, but I think it tells you a lot about the player. At the end of the day, the quarterback position is so important that if you're a really good quarterback, you're able to overcome your team's deficiencies. And Carson is a really good quarterback. That's why he has a winning record in his career. That's why he was going to be NFL MVP last year. But when you look at what Carson has done in, I think it's 34 games now, there have been not just a few, a lot of times where at the end of games, he's had the ball in his hand and not like unrealistic situations, like down three points, down four points with, you know, two minutes to play. The funny thing is his best signature moment was actually like his most unrealistic was when he got those two field goals against the Giants to win that game in week three last year. Like that was probably the toughest situation he's been put in. 
and he got the job done there. But when you look at what he's done in his career, I mean, a lot of them were as a rookie, but he was one and six in, in uh, one-score games as a rookie in 2016. By my count, he had the ball seven times with a chance to either tie or win the game. Eagles didn't win any of those games. And, you know, it's it's happening this year as well. Last year he was three and one in those games. Um, he only had the ball twice where he, like, really had to go and do Make something. Now, yeah. Before everyone tweets me at this, like, oh, well, the part, the reason for that is because he gets up a lot. That's true. And that's why he's a really, really good quarterback. That's why he's probably like a top five quarterback. But he still needs to prove, and this is what the great players do, and this is why quarterback wins matter, that in the final two minutes, he can make plays to win the game. And he has not done that. There's no other way to look at it. He has not done that in his career. Yeah, no, and I agree with that. But I just, like I said before, I think it is way overrated with you know, come from behind wins. And, you know, that was, yeah, I think Tony Romo was leading that step for a while. It's like, well, yeah, it's because they're behind. And, and and most of the time, quarterbacks should, should you know, have the lead and, and be able to maintain that and do that, which is, to me, the bigger issue. It's not about closing out, which, again, he still needs to do. But um, that fourth quarter, the entire fourth quarter, not just the last drive, was bad. And it was bad from Carson's perspective, Doug's perspective, uh, Schwartz's perspective, all of it. That's I, I keep coming back to that. Like it keeps falling apart, and I don't know what it is. And with the dancing on the sideline, or if they just thought that they had this thing won, or where they went to mentally, but they all just kind of checked out, and then it steamrolled, and then it come back. But the, but the game actually, the game actually reminded me in terms of just the feeling I had watching it of the Falcons blowing it to the uh, Patriots in the Super Bowl. Definitely, because I was so I was at that game, and like literally. Uh, I have to type a story at deadline. I'm I'm done. Like I have it ready to go. I'm sitting back. I'm eating like chips and just watching the game. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, well, nice. This is over. And then all of a sudden the Patriots score and you're like, holy shit. It's not only just not over. Like there is a ton of time left. And that's kind of what happened yesterday. Like it seemed like the game was just over until all of a sudden everyone realized it wasn't. And then it was just too late at that point. Yeah. Uh, here's something that it was uh, just coming up on Twitter too, uh, regarding that, uh, the Patrick Peterson thing, because we think in terms of picks, and I think that would be silly, but what if they did say, all right, just give us Ronald Darby, or just give us Razul Douglas and Ronald Darby, or some combination of if, if it's just you're swapping out the players, are you upgrading that way? Well, yeah, I mean, Patrick Peterson is an upgrade over Ronald Darby, yeah. and he's an upgrade over Jalen Mills, right? I mean, he's he's an upgrade and over Rizul what Douglas they have. And all that. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and Rizul Douglas, yeah. I mean, would you do it? If you're offer, I mean, for Razul Douglas and Ronald Darby, you have Patrick Peterson here for the next three years? Absolutely, I would. But let me ask you this: Like, so you're willing to pay Patrick Peterson 11 million next year? Probably. You're gonna. You're either going to have to do that now, anyway, or I, I guess you're just you're okay with Sidney Jones and Jalen Mills playing the outside, and you know Maddox is back there too, and you'd rather roll that way. I, I don't know. I'd rather have Patrick Peterson and Sidney Jones, to be honest with you, playing playing <laughs> outside, and maybe even Jalen Mills considering a, a, a safety role or whatever they want to do with him afterwards or be the third corner. It doesn't matter to me, but I'd rather do that, uh, yeah, for the next couple of years while you have this kind of sort of window to play with. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't mind that. I, yeah. I, I don't think that's going to happen. That. I but, can see that point. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know, man. Like, the defense is already pretty good. Like, and I it know is. that's, you know, not the best day to say it coming off of that loss, but, like, I don't know. Like when you look at where this team needs to invest their resources, I just don't really think cornerback is is it. 
Um, like, I think they really need to re- rework this offensive line, left tackle. Like, you draft a rookie, but you need to also bring in somebody. Like, the defensive line, Chris Long, Michael Bennett, Brandon Graham. Like, it's possible that none of them are back next year. Yeah. Uh, Timmy Jernigan's a major question mark. We already talked about the running back position. I think you need another receiver. Uh, potentially, depending how what you how you think uh, Rodney McLeod is going to recover. And then there was also some possibilities when you look at his cap number that maybe they would move on from him anyway. That's another issue. So I just, like $11 million, and I do think if for whatever reason they got Patrick Peterson, they would probably rework his deal just because Howie's a big fan of doing that. Mm-hmm. But Man, like eleven million dollars is a large portion of your cap space for next stop. It's like half. E- e- even if you move on from Foles, Peters, uh, Jernigan, like it's it's like roughly half. And when you talk about giving Carson a deal that, even if they backload it, is probably going to have like a twenty million dollar cap hit the first year. Then you talk about Jordan Hicks and those guys. Like it's a lot to give up for a cornerback where your defense is already six overall in points yeah no that that makes a ton of sense and and i'm still i'm not i'm not backing off of my argument because i'm just looking at point totals average just in the nfl right now and Mm -hmm. if you're the new york jets if you're the new york jets you're scoring 26 points a game and if the eagles would have scored 26 points in a game you would be a lot closer to the buccaneers but unfortunately that's still going to be a loss You'd be tied with the Titans at least again right now. You mm. would have beat the uh, the Vikings, um, that, and that's what I'm saying. And you would have beat the Panthers. Like that's you know what stat what what blew me away today looking at this is uh, like. So we both agree the Giants are a complete shit show, right? Absolutely. Like a complete shit show. Terrible quarterback. Terrible offensive line. Terrible head coach. They're averaging two more two less points a game than the Eagles are. Unbelievable. That's what I mean. Right. It's like I mean, we can't say it's <laughs> a dog shit. Like, oh, it's, you know, it's fine. That's why I don't understand. You can, you're, you, you are 100% allowed to be pissed at the defense. I'm pissed at the defense. That's unacceptable. But right. you can't just say everything's fine uh, or 17 points enough or whatever when, when you, yeah, I mean, they're averaging 19 points a game. Dallas is averaging 20. Washington somehow is lower on this list and they're winning football games. You know, like, well, th- the interesting thing about, and, I think the reason it's easier to blame the defense is because there's like singular plays you can point to like the fourth and 15th against the Titans. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, yesterday, the fourth and 10, whereas the offense, like they're just kind of shitty all game. So it's, it's harder to point to one moment where you're I mean, now we have the fourth and two, obviously yesterday. Um, so I think that's something people will harp on, but I, you know, like the defense isn't the problem. Like, I'm sorry, but it's not. And I, I, I tweeted this yesterday and I got a lot of backlash, but the defense played well enough yesterday to win that game. They did. A 21 points should win that game. And the offense did not. Like, if if you just look at just how the defense has played this year, they're good enough to be a 6-1 and one football team. The only game where the defense really didn't play well is the Buccaneers game. Yeah. Right? But you look at the offense, how many games this year, other than the Giants, like, what other game this year has the offense been so good that it, didn't, it almost didn't matter what the defense did? Yeah. Uh, n- none of them. None, None of them other than the Giants. That's it. Right. And that's because they're just rolling right through. And actually, the defense helped them out with a short field almost immediately. Um, so, Or was that special teams? One of the two. Uh, well, wait, wait, let me ask you this, too. Sorry to, sorry no, to interrupt. No, no, it's fine. But um, I actually, I was, when, I was, when I was looking back at all of Wentz's like, fourth quarter opportunities, like I don't think we harped on it enough that the Eagles got the ball after your boy DeAndre Carter got him down to the 39-yard line, mm-hmm. right? Down three points, a minute and 41 to play. So basically an eternity. 39 yards from the win. 
and they, he only got like 20, 20 yards and they ended up kicking. Like that's egregious. Like that is really bad. Yes. As bad as that, as bad as the Panthers one was yesterday, like you get a special teams play to set you up there and you don't convert there. Like it's a major issue. It's worse than anything. Well, I don't want to say anything because fourth and 15 was pretty bad. Yeah, but that's like, really bad. But it, they're equally yeah. as bad. <laughs> but they're equally as bad and people don't think that way. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It is. I'm, I'm 100% with you. And how about this? <laughs> Stevie, Stephen Wilkes, general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, uh, or excuse me, uh, head coach, uh, comes right in and says, we're not trading Patrick. <laughs> so we are trade. not doing that. So they're, they're totally <laughs> going to trade him. Yeah. He'll be gone. Um, yeah. That's he says that's out of the question according to uh, Mike Garofolo. So again, most the uh, most like anything in these in these trade rumors is probably all for naught. But yeah, listen. Well, well speaking of speaking of trades, yeah. I mean, uh, there's been a lot of debate on Twitter. I'm interested to get your take on this. Like, do you think this team is a trade away? <sighs> no, it's a tough question. No, I don't think they are. Uh, I think they're, I think they're a, a trade away plus health away plus getting a, a more than just a little from Mac Hollins away. And and that's that's yeah. the truth. And there is and again, I think we've just because of the Super Bowl, we we've ignored a lot of things in terms of red flags, in terms of injuries and what exactly. And and then again, just they've this team has been through a, a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, and you lost your starting safety. And and honestly, that that to me is. <laughs> more of a of a bright side in this like they lost Ryan McLeod and the defense hasn't necessarily missed a step without him you know and yeah, outside that, and, of the first game right outside and, of the first game and that's, that's good and be- yeah especially then you know that's fourth and 15 that's Corey Graham just right but my point is that's head. the first game without him. like yes. since then they have looked good you know Maddox has adjusted really well uh, you know I just I, I don't know why. And and listen, if people I, I see people screaming at you right now saying the defense is is it's played better than the offense. And until you can say that that's true, like I don't think you're looking at this thing right. I, I just don't. I it is one hundred percent true. Is six in points. The offense is twenty second. Yeah. Like what? What else do you want me to say? And, like <laughs> and guess what? They kept. They were at eighth or ninth a couple of weeks ago, and that keeps climbing up. Um, I mean, yeah. It is. It is not. 1990 it is i mean if we're, so i just i, I it, it's both things can be true collapses like that cannot happen offense needs to score more points so it doesn't matter you know well, the it's other, all the other that. interesting thing is um when you look actually at the eagles offense in points they're definitely scoring less points but if you look at like their efficiency like their points per drive and stuff like that like there's not a huge difference between last year and this year but the issue is just the offense in general is up in the NFL, so you have to score more to, to win. Yes. Like, so I, I think that's probably something. You know, it's certainly not working in the Eagles' favor. But you know, talking about trades, I know we touched on it a little, but I still have running back as my number one, and, mm-hmm. and my number two would be receiver. Like Patrick Peterson is far down my list of needs for this team, but I'm really interested to see how how he handles the between now and the trade deadline. Like, it's going to tell us a lot about you know what how committed the franchise is to this team i mean last year they sent the clear message by trading for jay ajayi like we are all in on this year yes. we saw a chance to win the super bowl and they did it they did it but i wonder what message they'll send this year because you know if you lose to the jaguars and you're three and five like and this will actually be a good chance time to get your your overall take like are you like what, what's your feeling at with this team right now because your yep. thing's always been they win the division they're fine yeah like 
listen, if it, I, and I've always said, if it's, I, I'm still not hitting an incredible panic button. I'm pissed. I'm concerned. But I'm not like, all right, the season, you know, fold up shop and let's go. And for a bunch of the reasons why we just just kind of said with the rest of the division there, too, like that Washington is not playing impressive football, even the, but they're mm-hmm. getting wins. Dallas, the same thing. The Giants are done. Um, they just need that that one spark. And I mean, it could that one spark could be killed instantly if they're three and five. And going to London, this is this is the most important game in terms of for their season and and whether or not because and I'm not just saying it because of just the win and loss total because that's obvious, but to me right. that makes the all the difference in the world. Okay, we are four and four. We know what we, we know what's wrong here, and it's the offense and the firepower. Let's load it up and let's go for this thing. If they're three and five, that doesn't happen in my opinion. They ride it out. They see what happens. They wait for guys to. Hopefully, come back like Sproles and, and Mac and whatever, and we'll just be out, be there pulling our hair and gritting our teeth and hoping for the best at that point. It's just, can I just say, it is the weirdest thing ever to feel like both units played stellar, stellar, and it doesn't matter. You know, and it, because it just it doesn't matter. Like well, because the Eagles' offense didn't play stellar. You know, right? I mean, in, in just terms of stat line and everybody, and 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 the defense didn't either towards the end. And you're going, man. Man, it just it just really sucks. But we will. Well, but let, that, oh, go ahead, buddy. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, I mean, that like this was like an eye opening moment for me this morning. And I, it's probably like a dumb moment that everyone probably realized. And I'm the last to realize it. But like they have to go seven and two the rest of the season to win 10 games. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a no matter run. what, like that's hard for any team to do unless you're the Patriots. Right. Like, I mean, obviously the Chiefs look really good. I mean, I think they'll probably end up winning 12 or 13 games. But like seven and two is really hard. Like even if you're even if you're a really good team. So, you know, maybe you win the division at nine and seven. But I think comfortably to know like you have won this division. I think it's going to take 10 wins. Jaguars, so, Saints. Uh, with should, wait, should we do a quick game by game? I, I'm just saying and I'm just showing. Yeah. So, they, I mean. They have to win against the Jaguars. They yep. have to. I mean, they they to the clean Cowboys. up, clean, clean up the division. Basically, I'm just looking at if they win, they have to sweep the division, right? So there's one, two, three, four, five right there, uh, and then they have to. Texans puts them at six. Jaguars at seven. That allows you. I mean, I, I use allow in the kindest terms possible. Uh, <laughs> nor, nor do I want them to do this. But then Saints and Rams, you know. Or whatever, or just flip one of those that you have to do. Right. So it's 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 going to be tough. It's going to be. I mean, very sweeping tough. the division as bad as it, it is is very hard to do. Yeah, I think realistically, now, of course it is. Yeah, yeah, I think realistically, you want to go five and one in the division, so that gives you four more wins. That brings you to seven. Yep. Uh, you beat the um, you beat the Jaguars. That's eight. But they look they're gonna they're gonna have to win a game we don't expect. That's just at the end of the day, that's what it's going to have to come down to. And the thing is, like... Oh, my God. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. There's a lot of news going on. This just in, according to Jacina Anderson, the Dallas Cowboys are trading for Amari Cooper. Wow. <laughs> ah! You know? Wow. I mean, it's Yo, just... My, my heart literally stopped when you told me that there was breaking news. I was like, holy shit, what the hell is about to happen? <laughs> Damn. Uh, like... Here's the thing. Jerry Jones season. They just, they're three and four, you know, and they're, they're trying to, wow. I just, <laughs> I, I mean, more power to them because you, I think everybody knows how I feel about this, but I just, 
Uh, I mean, it's Amari Cooper. uh, It is not a safe bet at all. Uh, So... No, no, no. Come on. Don't don't play that. I'm not saying you are, but like this is going to be a perfect example of when Eagles fans really wanted someone. And now when the Cowboys get him, they're going to be like, well, you know, his numbers have declined. Like this is a big time move by the Cowboys. Uh, It's also for I got I got to make sure I'm getting this right. It really a first round. They just gave a first round pick for Amari Cooper. Uh, uh, It's a first round pick, everybody. It is a first round pick for Amari Cooper to the I would never do that. Never in a million years would I pay a first for Amari Cooper. Never in I mean, a million years. A first would I do round, that. Here's a reason the first round picks a lot because that pick is probably going to be not in the playoffs. So you're talking about a top, you know, whatever, 15, 16 pick, right? My God. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe, but still, even then. But here's what I like about it. Yeah. I like I like when teams go for it. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying the Cowboys are going for yeah. it in terms of this year, but like they traded for, I think, you know, borderline elite like maybe not anymore but like was elite at one point still yeah. young a huge position in need like i don't i don't hate it for the cowboys honestly oh my God. Uh, <laughs> tells me he does hate it <laughs> I, I think this is a terrible idea well, you know let me ask you this outside of the first round pick like like take that away because that's not going to impact this season I, does I this worry you at all does this change at all your opinion on the eagles and like the cowboys not really, because again, like it, it, I don't think it's uh, sure. I mean, it, it is somewhat wide receiver problems, but uh, it, I mean, Galloway had a pretty good. That's not pushing the ball down the field is not really a. Dak needs as much help as he can get. I just don't know if that's the guy. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't. <laughs> I wouldn't do that based on just the up and down struggles. I think that's a humongous risk to take there, and. Uh, I guess we'll see. I think that's way too much. I'm just coming back to that. I I would be pissed if the Eagles gave up a first round pick to go get Amari Cooper. That's how I'll leave it. Would you? I would be livid. Yeah, I, you would be. Yeah, if you're telling me th- if they gave up a first round pick. I don't know. I think the reaction would be like how he's being aggressive. You're going for it. This is a long term move. No, he was good, but everyone's nope. a shit show in Oakland. Like I think that would be the reaction if nope. they traded a first nope. for Cooper. I mean, that might be, but I'd be the only guy in the sand saying this was stupid. <laughs> oh, right. there's hold on there's more coming in are they getting something back here uh no okay no um, like we're doing gobert's radio i know this is it's just kind of this is all over the place jesus almighty uh maybe john gruden knows what he's doing and he's totally gonna rebuild so uh that would confirm that the rumors are true get ready for Derek carr in in new york uh in the giants wow. so uh, i don't know this is uh, this is nuts, but here we'll try and wrap this thing up because there's a lot of things going on. I'm sure we'll have plenty more to talk about this tomorrow on the Beast with me and Vince Quinn. But um, doesn't make me want to say, "Wow, the Eagles have to go in and do something now." But I'll just say, if there's still an opportunity to go get Le'Veon Bell now or after, if the Jaguars win, that's fine. But um, really, what this team just needs is to to find a way to score points, and everyone will be. We'll be. We'll feel a lot better, Ellie. That's that's how I still feel today. Yeah, I think, and I think, I think Howie has to make a move. I'll end it on that. With all the trade talk with the Patrick Peterson, you know, now Amari Cooper, I think Howie has to make a move. So we we will we will. And it has to be on the office, offensive side of the ball. Yeah. So we shall see. We shall see indeed. Uh, ESP, we appreciate it, man. And uh, thank you to everybody listening to Around the Locker Room right here on uh, radio.com and also Sports Radio 94 WIP. We'll see you guys. Mm-hmm.